It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's. Welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And I want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine Monday through Friday We're grinding it out with this team that just doesn't seem to quite get it They don't get it And they're not putting together these full games and they did it again against the Houston Rockets losing 115-104 after a crappy first half and then a good second half but a great fourth quarter same stuff from the Boston Celtics we're going to talk about it we're the Reign of Jays I am John Corrales beat writer for MassLive.com joined post game by Samuel Jamison Packard the third jam also known as ladies love cool jam 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the triple jam god why not why not it just dropped just dropped the three jams i like it uh we got we got a little bit of talk about here mook was benched uh i we yeah i guess you could say benched uh, he didn't play the last uh about 18 minutes of the game uh the celtics of course same crap big comeback uh Kyrie after the game not very verbose quiet We'll talk about all of that, but let's get to the nitty-gritty here of the game. First half, first quarter, marred by turnovers. Six first-quarter turnovers for the Boston Celtics uh, as they lost the first quarter by 10. The six turnovers were turned into 10 points, and it wasn't until the very end that the Celtics finally turned Houston over with their bench. And uh, I think the bench gets a lot of the credit in this one. They came in twice in the se- late in the first quarter, and then in the fourth quarter to completely change the energy of the game. And so let's start with the starters. We've been saying that they've started well. They generally have started well, Sam, and this time they didn't. They came out and they they kind of same old formula where they started missing shots. They were, what, uh, one of four from three in the first half, the first quarter. Missing shots, then getting down on themselves or getting in their own heads or whatever, turning the ball over. Then once you start making those mistakes, they just completely screw up on defense. You have guys that uh, blow rotations, and then you have two guys rushing out at another, you know, trying to make up for it, leaving guys wide open, Clint Capella wide open underneath for an early dunk. Like that type of stuff. I don't understand why these guys just continuously come out and pull this crap. They they know that the secret is to just play hard for 48 minutes, and yet they cannot do it. It's very, very frustrating. 
it's it's kind of insane. The, the turnovers were just bad turnovers, just like silly passes, uh, just dribbling into zones that weren't there. Like if you look at the numbers from the first quarter, they actually weren't that bad. Like they were ten of nineteen from the field, but that six turnovers for ten points are responsible for uh, like basically the the entire Rockets' ten point lead. And really, when they they calmed down the turnovers in the second quarter, um, the offense just wasn't there. And it was really just like. Looking at these two teams and their offenses, it could not be diametrically different. And it, it's the Rockets are so good at just running that spread kind of pick and roll, especially with Harden. Um, and the Celtics just didn't know, like, really have an answer for it, especially early. I mean, late they started blitzing a lot more, and that seemed to um, kind of slow the Rockets down. But they were kind of doing the kind of some basic drop defense, and um, the Rockets just picked them apart and. For open shots, it's like Eric. How many open threes did Eric Gordon have? Uh, and it just felt like All of them. <laughs> why? But the Celtics' offense, and this is part of something. And I think this is you guys all know me. I'm a I'm a Brad. I'm a proud member of the cult of Brad Stevens. But it's like why why can't the Celtics run this kind of simple spread pick and roll with Kyrie and Al? Get some like get some four on three basketball. Get some open shots. I know the Celtics offense is a lot more predicated on like read and react and ball movement and everyone being involved, but you just see what the Rockets are able to do and how how like so much attention goes to Harden and that creates a mismatch. And if he throws it to the roll man, Capella I thought did a great job or anyone else who was sending picks of finding the guys in the opposite corner. It just felt like the the Rockets had completely figured out offensive basketball and the Celtics um is this not great? I mean they they had opportunities, but they are also doing this weird thing that they where they have an open three pointer and instead of just catching and shooting, they'll pump fake into a contested three pointer. And see it felt like it happened seven or eight that? times. It just <laughs> it's absurd. But it's like the two offenses it's it was it seems like well the adjustments didn't come to kind of stopping the the, the um, Rockets pick and roll to the second half, and we can, we can talk about that later. But it was just like one offense clearly is designed to generate a bunch of open looks, and they knocked down uh, many threes. And I think it ended up taking 50 threes in this game, where the, the Celtics offense just, when they did generate open looks, they kind of bungled them. And then uh, other than that, they just didn't really, they created a lot of like crappy mid-range uh, looks. This is the difference here between the Celtics and the Rockets. The Rockets have James Harden, who is the obvious number one guy. James Harden does all of the scoring. And then today it was Eric Gordon. The next day it could be Chris Paul. It could be uh, Clint Capella. It could be some other guy. Any, any one of these guys. P.J. Tucker can drop you know a decent game. Who knows? But it's mostly James Harden and then whomever else fills in whatever whoever's hitting is hitting and whatever the Celtics are designed with all of this talent to read and react their read and react offense because of the personnel so Marcus uh Marcus Smart Marcus Morris uh they're they're still they're guys that that they're the only two guys that are like those other guys for the Rockets, uh, Tatum, Horford, to a smaller degree. Kyrie's obviously a big scorer. Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, uh, all those guys are all at their best, very 
similarly talented or, or similarly able to score with Kyrie obviously being a notch above. So the Celtics offense, I think, is when it's at its best is nobody cares about who's going to score. It's somebody does something and then reads what the defense does. There's an action. They read the defense. They react. And the person, the other people on team also have the same read and the same reaction. And then that person, the next person gets the ball and the defense does something and they read it. And then they react and everybody's supposed to react at the same time. And eventually that's supposed to lead to ball movement and picks and cuts and easy baskets. Theoretically. It's it's so reliant on the team playing together as a team, like having cohesion. And so I, I understand in the ideal world where you have this much talent, like if everyone is maximized and everyone is playing together Ideally, like that would be your best offense. But at the end of the day, like if you're if you're struggling, like the Celtics clearly are, uh, I think on the offensive end, and I think they've really struggled to knock down shots, and some of that's just missing open shots. But I feel like they're they're missing a lot of shots on offense, and it's kind of bleeding into them um, not playing as well on defense. At some point, if you're Brad Stevens, do you need to just like to simplify things and go like we have Kyrie Irving, we all have Al Horford, who's a great screen setter and a great plat- passer and playmaker and kind of the guy you would want in a four on three situation. Like let's, let's just simplify this. Let's just try to get the easy points. It's just cause it was so staggering today to watch the Rockets offense. And it just like, all, like that was their offense, high pick and roll, spread everyone out, like commit two guys to the ball. And then like work the ball around. And it feels like the Celtics can do that. They, they run pick and roll occasionally at the end of games. Uh, like they're more likely to do it towards the end of games to Kyrie now, but like, I don't know. At some point, like the, the Rockets today, they all of their points were basically from three or from layups. Um, and that's like what that whole organization preaches. I know um, in like in the G League and, and things like that, in the entire organization, they won't even practice taking a mid-range jump shot. It's basically just spread, pick and roll and, and threes and layups. And at some point, if the team is really struggling to score like the Celtics uh, seem to be uh, ever since the All-Star break, at some point, you just to go to the simpler option, one that doesn't rely on five guys like being on the same page all at the same time. But at some point, when they need it, at some point in the playoffs, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but that's, I think, that's a last resort, and this is kind of what I'm getting at because what that does is that turns Tatum and Brown and and Hayward. They're all they all just become basically spot up guys. And those guys are too talented to be spot up guys. Uh, Hayward, notwithstanding he's, he's got some issues, but the other guys and, and why it's not, why it's not that kind of offense from the beginning is because he needs Brad Stevens needs to have all of these guys engaged. And again, when it's working at its best, when they are engaged, it works beautifully. And when nobody cares who gets the ball, Everybody has an opportunity to score. We've talked about this like a million times in this on this podcast. But if you spend all season trying to work this thing, like they can't. What? How many games have we played now? 60, 64. So there's eighteen games left. At this point, <laughs> you just try to make it work. Like 
you, you scrap the entire offense to what go into this spread pick and roll primarily in theory it, i think it sounds fine but you're going to piss off you're going to piss off all these guys it's we already know I mean, the I, biggest but, problem is that they don't they don't stay engaged them and now you're going to say okay forget this forget you guys getting your own offense we're going to be a spread pick and roll team and you guys stand in the corners and wait for Kyrie to hit you with passes and that's all you do yeah, but you don't think, like, P.J. Tucker was having a blast out there winning? Like, I think if you're eventually scoring points, like... P.J. Tucker know, knows it, what his role is. And, that's and he played a hell of a guys. game. And that's... But see, this is the Celtics' problem. The Celtics' problem has been that these other... Everybody thinks they're the star. Everybody thinks they're a star. And everybody is gets upset when they don't... Not everybody, but a lot of these guys, they get upset when they don't get their full... What, what they feel like their full opportunity. So that's why this has been the the read and react offense because it's supposed to get all these guys the opportunity. It's supposed to maximize this this whole thing, and they can't even get that right. So now you're going to tell everybody, well, we're going to be spread, pick, and roll, and primarily, and now you're definitely not going to get your options like that. That all that's going to do is create, I think. A ton of one-on-one play. Now, in the playoffs, when things don't matter like that, in the playoffs, when when it's just everybody's about winning and you got to win this game, and it doesn't matter what, you just got to win this game. They'll run. I guarantee you, they'll run more spread, pick, and roll because that's at least an effective thing. Right now, over the last eighteen games, their number one goal is to find a way to keep all these guys engaged. The number one thing, forget the wins and losses, forget any of that stuff right now. The Boston Celtics' number one goal is to find a way to get all of these people who continue to have their own individual thing in mind, their own agendas, to get them all on the same page, all trying when it matters. In the fourth quarter, when you're down 22 and everything goes out the window, that's when it matters, and we can see what they can do. Their number one priority is getting it from the start. How do we figure out to get everybody together on the same page from the start? I don't. I, I mean, don't, go ahead. It makes it makes sense to me. I'm just. I've. I, the last five basketball games have been uh, disgusting, terrible, disgusting. Uh, they say comparisons a thief of joy. No, shitty basketball is. <laughs> um, and so I'm just. I'm just grasping for something because uh, that first half was atrocious and. I think we can we can talk about the the comeback they made in the second half uh, after the break, but thank God that happened because if they continued to play, like I was ready to jump off the Tobin Bridge. Yeah, I mean that first that first half was pretty gross. Um, trying to find the quote here, like Brad Stevens talked about tweaks. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Let's take a break because we've been ranting for 14 minutes already. Um, Let's take a break. We'll come back with potential tweaks and the rest of the stuff. Uh, Before we do that, remember, if you have a smart device in your car, if you can talk to your car and tell it to do stuff, you can tell it to play the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Wake it up. Use whatever trigger word you use. Say play podcast, Lockdown Celtics, or whatever other podcast you want to listen to, but make sure Lockdown Celtics is on there first. Do that, and we're going to come right back here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody wants a lineup change, and that was big part of what Brad Stevens was asked after the game. Probably three different questions about tweaks to the lineup, various things about combinations and all of that. Uh, one, one response I particularly liked where he said, if I thought who we start the game with would make a huge different or e- difference or even give us a spark we need, we'll continue to try it, try it and do it. Uh, even even try it for the hell of it. I usually don't fly by the seat of my pants like that. I try to have a thoughtful process, but we'll keep plugging away and see what we do. Uh, he has said that he doesn't feel like it's the lineup that's at the root of the problems. And I think people like asking for lineup changes because it's an obvious thing. And well, that's all Celtics Twitter wants right now. Yeah. People want lineup changes because it's something that you can see that's different. And the Jalen Brown, I've said it before, people talk about Jalen Brown in the starting lineup. I like him coming off the bench. I just like him coming off the bench. I like the confidence. And, and Brad made that point basically when asked about it directly. It was like the Jalen Brown might be playing so well right now because he's very comfortable in like kind of the, his new role that he's embraced. Yeah. And considering what he was as a starter at the beginning of the season, like I, I, I feel like the um, people want this change. They they think that okay, you've graduated to a starter, and and they just think it's just it's just easy to just plug them in at the starting lineup. And who knows? May, it could work. It could work. I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I like it because he just what you said. He embraced that role. He embraced it, and he's going with it. And now he's been in the closing lineup for the past couple of games. And it's it's working, at least his energy down down the stretch as part of the closing lineup was good. 
I like that. I think the way Jalen Brown was used in this game is much closer to how he should be used. Well, how many minutes did he play in this one? 28. So now Marcus Morris only played 17 and a half. If we can get, if, however we need to do this, Jalen Brown, I'm all for pumping up Jalen Brown's minutes. If you're sitting there saying Jalen Brown should play 35 minutes, I'm fine with that. But I I don't want him in the starting lineup. I want him staying in this role that he's comfortable with. It works for now, for this season. Keep it that way. Let's not break the one thing that started to work. Let's figure something else out. Gordon Hayward in the starting lineup, I can, I can talk about that. If you want to do Gordon Hayward in place of Mook, I can talk about that. Or... You start Aaron Marcus. Baines. Maybe you start Aaron Baines in place of Mook. Maybe. Maybe that's how you do it. That was the best of the net rating lineup uh, that the Celtics had uh, in the previous season. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's the, the, the starting lineup that needs to change, although that's like the thing you see the most. But Brad Stevens is making adjustments, and we saw that in this game, and we've seen that recently with Jalen Brown being – um, playing basically playing the lone bright spot uh, on this team. He's been playing more minutes. And so um, Brad always talks about it's not who starts, who finishes. And I agree that uh, Jalen Brown needs to play more and Marcus Morris needs to play less. Marcus Morris is clearly not shooting um, as nearly as well as he did to start the year. Um, and I think something over like over that same time period, I think it's affecting his defense. His net rating has been negative. Um, and his defense ratings have not been great. So uh, I agree there could be changes, but I also generally agree with Brad Stevens. Like, that's not necessarily the fix. Um, but I do think, like, he's made adjustments. We saw um, him go to Baines and Horford tonight, and they actually, when they came in, the Celtics started a little bit of a run there uh, in the third quarter. They just happened to – they actually made it close to 15 in that third quarter before giving up a 7-0 run to end it, uh, which – in retrospect, looks pretty bad because they, they got it within 10 at some point. But I think we see Stevens using uh, a little bit uh, different lineups and trying things. It's just not necessarily going to come um, from the starting lineup because, one, you don't want to, I guess, hurt Mook's, I guess, confidence, although I don't think Mook really lacks for confidence at all. But um, no. I, I agree with you that it's it's moving Jalen in may not be the answer. I think I like the idea of putting Hayward out there. Um or even Aaron Baines, like uh, I just talked myself into a tizzy because I said I don't think he made change the starting lineup, but I would advocate for them <laughs> changing the starting lineup. Um, but I do think Jalen needs to play more because he's just been uh, playing with a lot of energy. He was basically the catalyst for the entire uh, mini comeback. You can't really call it a comeback because they didn't get closer to ten really. But him playing defense on uh, James Harden and then. And then I thought Tice did an amazing job uh, when they decided to start blitz, and he was a really good job moving his feet on the perimeter. But um, clearly something needs to change, and if the solution is just playing Jalen more minutes and playing Mook less minutes, uh, I sign up for that one. But I don't think the actual starting lineup matters as much. I, although, as I would favor those changes, but I don't think it's like that's going to be the Yeah, th- I don't think that's, like, the highest priority. Like, it, it feels like um... – like, that's not going to make them just start trying for 48 minutes. That's like, if it is, like, if it did, that would be insane. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. They're like, oh, Gordon Hayward's out there. Maybe we should uh, all try. Right, right. There's oh. no logic in that. Yeah. Oh, st- is that Gordon Hayward next to me in the in the jump circle? Well, now I'm energized. Uh, I But I think there is value. If we're talking about lineup tweaks or lineup issues, there is value in 
when in the, like a second quarter where it's obviously it's, it's starting to swirl down the toilet. Try Shemi Ojale. Just try it. You know, like get get one of those guys. Like, like he's done it with Robert Williams before. Like the game in Miami when everything was going to shit and he put Robert Williams in and they made this huge comeback just because one guy came in and changed the energy. Like try that. And the the issue the issue with this as I'm talking about it, like it's 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 good to have a guy like him or Brad Wanamaker and say, we're going to try this with this guy and he's, he's going to come in and he's going to be so happy to get these minutes. He's going to try really hard. Okay, great. What happens in the playoff? Like, is, is that going to be how it goes for the rest of the season? Like, are we going to be in the first round of the playoffs against Philly and hoping that Shemi Ojale can come in and change the energy? Like I, there's something, there's something off the court. There's something there. And, and maybe maybe there is no answer. That, that's the most frustrating thing here. Maybe there is no answer to this. But the Celtics have to find a way to simply try for 48 minutes. That is the simple, obvious solution. It's not a tweak in the lineup. It's not playing spread, pick, and roll. It's not playing zone versus man. It's none of this crap. It's very simple. Go out there and play hard for 48 minutes. God damn it. Your basketball players, professional basketball players, just go out there and play hard for 48 minutes. It's not hard. The problem is that these guys, and even if they do play hard, sometimes they're playing in their own minds. Sometimes they're playing their own separate game. They're trying to do things that the rest of the team isn't. Like somehow, some way, these guys have to throw all the other bullshit aside and play basketball the way they're being asked to, the way they've practiced, the way they do all the, the way the way everybody else is supposed to play and the way they do sometimes go out there and play that way all the time. Just all the time. The 18 games left. Just do that now from now till hopefully June. Cuz if they if they start doing it, they will get to June or they have a very good chance of getting to June cuz they're that good, they're that talented. But if they don't, they're never going to get out past April. Like it's just, it that's that's it. That's where the whole thing ends for me. It's just all of this analysis, and we'll keep talking about it on podcasts. But all of this analysis is just go try. Like Terry Rozier tried today, picking up Chris Paul full court, going out there playing hard, and not playing too selfishly. I thought Terry Rozier was good. They had had a good game. Uh, Except for one shot where he got bailed out and he got a foul on the three-pointer. That was kind of a bad shot. <laughs> and then missed, missed all three free throws. Then he missed throws, all three but... free throws. But generally speaking, Rozier had a decent game. Like, go out there and try hard. Like, they're not going to be perfect, but you just go out there and try hard. And it's it's going to work out more often than not. I think Semi Ojale put it uh, perfectly uh, in, in, a, in a great article just released by some guy named Jay King. Um but after they gave up six points to open the third quarter, he just he was fur. I watched him. He was furious yeah. in the huddle. And so Jay asked him after the game what he said, and he just said, "Wake the fuck up! Like <laughs> you have to try." You, like, and that's kind of awesome. I love Semi Ojale doing that. Who played zero minutes, but he was really lighting into them uh, in the huddle there. And it just he said he felt like they were um, kind of hanging their heads and uh, the gate, like they hadn't um, they basically had given up. And he's just like. 
it's really, he said the same thing. Making or missing shots isn't going to determine the wins or losses. Uh, It's really about effort right now. And I was just trying to tell the guys to wake up. Looks on everyone's face like we already lost the game. And it was the start of the third quarter. And so, I mean, maybe Semi should be the, the leader of the team and maybe giving him more minutes will help. But it's right. Yeah, they need to wake the fuck up. The season's drifting away. Like they, they have, I don't know if they're going to be able to just turn it on and wake up in the playoffs because they, they need to start like showing that they can do that now. So they have like kind of the, the well to, to draw upon to believe that they can do it. And so I'm with Semi on this one. Uh, the Ojale factory now produces <laughs> success. Uh, I'm skimming through this, kind of listening to you and kind of reading some of this. This is a great quote. Uh, it's been tough because the reason you play basketball is to be part of the group, a second family, a group of brothers. I think right now we're struggling, struggling to find that in each other. And I think when we do, because we're definitely capable of it, we've shown it at times. I think everyone, everything will come together. The only thing I can add to that is from my, my time playing. I don't talk about my time playing much. The only thing I'll tell you is this. I'm 45 years old right now. And I miss playing basketball every day. And it's not because of the games. It's not because of, you know, scoring points or anything like that. The thing I always miss every day was being in that locker room and being with my teammates and even going through some of the hardest practices of my life. But being with those guys. And it's different in college because you have a longer time together. But it's still being with those guys and being in locker rooms and going on road trips and all that stuff that we did together. Those guys are still my friends. I still go to brunch with guys that I played basketball with 20 years ago. That's how tight the bond is. It can be. And Shemi's right. You don't have a lot of time. You don't have a lot of time. You got, and especially in the NBA when things change every year, hell within the year. This is it. This is your opportunity to go play basketball, make these memories, be part of something special and have this thing that goes beyond, Oh yeah, I scored 40 points in a game. Like it goes to this, this feeling of like, why is Vince Carter still playing or why is Dirk Nowitzki still playing? Because they love being with on a team. They love being on a team. They love being in locker rooms. They love being on the road with these guys. That's why That's why it's hard for an athlete to retire. That's why it's impossible for these guys to give it up sometimes because that camaraderie is second to none, and people who don't play sports just don't get it. It's, it's something special. So Shemi's right. Shemi's right. I'll just leave it at that. The, the Celtics need to go on this West Coast trip, and they need to find love, and they need to find it in each other. <laughs> <laughs> They need to go to a movie together. They need to go bowling. Maybe one of those hatchet-throwing places. Yeah. Can you imagine? Shimmy Ojale would just throw that thing through the wall. Aaron Baines would make himself Baines. the target. <laughs> <laughs> With his mouth. Just catching yeah. hatchets in his teeth. Ah, good one. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's take a break. We can come back. We have tacos to hand out. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Well, that, that'll be quick. Uh, and then Kyrie. We'll talk about Kyrie and his post game uh, along these lines. So we'll be right back on the Locked On Celtics podcast.
After the game, Kyrie Irving spoke for about, well, he still... I have the official numbers, official statistics from Chris Forsberg. 80 seconds. 80 seconds. Okay. 29 words. Uh, 39 words. 39 words. 80 seconds, 39 words. So, here's the entirety of his his availability. Uh, Talking about the first half, it just didn't play well. Have you ever gone through anything like this in your career? I think I think he said yes. That's it. Yes. Um, what do you need to do to turn it around? Just play better. What's the bigger challenge? Shooting defensively or, uh, or trying to limit uh, the shooting? Uh, probably a little bit of both. Which jumps out of you about the – what do you need to tweak about uh, defending the three-point line? Just our rotation stuff. Uh, you said you want to be a leader. What kind of thing do you need to do to turn this around as a leader? Just got to play better. And the finale, do you think you guys can come together on this road trip? We'll see. And that was it. <laughs> Frankly, I thought, uh, I thought it went pretty well. <laughs> um, I was I was kind of on the back of the scrum when uh, Al Horford was, um, was going and uh, – Kind of listening to Al Horford, but also just kind of keeping an eye on the locker room. But Kyrie seemed pretty, pretty frustrated after the game, and so um, I was, uh, I, I was, I guess I was proud of Kyrie for not blowing up at that point because I thought it, I thought it could have gone worse. But he was clearly uh, quite frustrated. He, uh, yes, he is very frustrated. He's very frustrated by everything. Uh, he's frustrated by the day to day. He's frustrated by just us. In general, and he's just, there's nothing. I can't really, like. There's the quote of him showing up to the games. Like I can't. I won't miss any of this when I'm done playing because there's like someone filming his arrival. Like yeah. he's he's clearly not. His chakra is not aligned. And here's the here's the good main question is he's in a funk. Like clearly he's in a funk. I yeah. thought I thought even though he had uh, his eventual totals were all right. I don't think he played uh, his best tonight. Um, only there were 24 points, but he had one of the worst. Uh, closeouts I've ever seen, just basically jogged <laughs> yeah. at a guy that ended in um, a three. I thought his kind of he was the guy guarding Eric Gordon a lot, and Eric Gordon got uh, was uh, pretty damn good there in the first half. I just don't think he's like playing his best basketball right now. We're not seeing as locked in Kyrie as we did uh, earlier in the years, but he is going to Oracle, where Oracle Kyrie is a thing, and so can the magic of Oracle and the challenge of the Warriors get him out of his funk? and realign his chakras? That's my big question. That's, that's going to be a hell of a question because he's, he is, he's not right. He's not right at all. Now I haven't been around the team for very long. I joined, I joined the beat this season in January. So, but I, from the beginning of the season, from the beginning of my time there, and you can even see from the beginning of the season, Kyrie was kind of like a positive guy kind of happy, like even through losses, he was just kind of matter of fact. He'd say things, uh, even when he was talking about the young guys, all that stuff earlier on, he was pretty matter of fact. He'd answer the questions. You'd ask him a question. He'd just go through it. Then something changed and he is angry. He is something, something is, I don't know if angry is the right word, but like he's, he's not happy. He is not happy. And I don't know. Like I've, I've been a pretty positive guy, pretty optimistic guy about Kyrie. 
And I've never felt worse about the odds of him coming back. Like this is like, it's, it's weird. Something weird is happening to the point where I even have to wonder if something is going on outside of basketball in his life, because it's, he's something, something's out of whack. He's out of balance. Something is happening. Like it, it can't just be, it can't just be that he's annoyed with the media. It can't just be that, the questions piss him off and that he's consistently just pissed off coming. Like he can't just be that bitter the whole time. Can he, I guess he can. I don't know. He, I mean, but the thing is he was so goddamn happy to start the year, like media day, he was full of smiles and joking around and talking about how he used to be scared of the media. And you're right. It's been like a steady deterioration. Even when the Celtics have been, were good. Like the, uh, there's been like a, a steady just decline in his mood. And so I don't know what the, the solution is, but I agree with you. He's just not, he's not having fun out there. And I feel like that like could, it might explain the rest of the team. Like he is, he is the leader. He's like just by de facto being the most talented guy out there. You kind of defer to Kyrie. Everyone like has seen what he's done. He's won championships, which no one else on the team has done. Um, if he's just like, you, you, you hear these scouts talk about it like, oh, they're not – they don't look like they're having a lot of fun out there. Well, if their main guy isn't having a lot of fun out there, I mean, like, that's kind of how organizations work. It just uh, – like, it would make sense that if his his um, not being happy is kind of diffused throughout the rest of the team. And yeah. so, I don't know. Make make Kyrie happy again. I don't know what needs to happen. <laughs> and I'm really hoping it's Oracle, but I, yeah. I don't know how much faith I have in the uh, the energy of one building. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, he's – I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I, I know that after after the the Toronto game in January, after the I called LeBron thing, that to me is, like, when things started to really change. I, I think I've said this on the podcast a couple times about that before. Like, that day where he admitted, like, oh, yeah, I called LeBron. Like, that was a big thing, and he kept going on and on. Like, when Kyrie's happy and go, like, he talks, like, stream of consciousness, and he gives long answers, and – he was doing that then, and then that kind of, I guess, blew up in his face a little bit because there, because the talking heads like chopped that up and went and, and turned it into a negative, and he there, he was in a no win situation there. That's a, he. I think he hates the the like the the national media story or just any media stories about that. But I think that really like he did not see that as like a, him taking shots at the young guys. But it was immediately turned into that. Yep. And then I think, like, that might explain, like, ever since then, then we immediately had Anthony Davis stuff, which turned into him going to New York and things like that. Then there was, like, the Kevin Durant video at All-Star Game. It's been basically a smorgasbord of shit uh, ever since uh, that happened. It's just been with him being just, per, like, seen as this negative in the media. And so I can I can, I can empathize, empathize with him, but um, – or is it sympathize? I haven't experienced being that. Which one is it? You Empathy. I empathize with him. You don't, you, yes. The, the empathy, yes. But yeah, essentially it's like you, you can see it, just the reaction of his mood. And, and so the, he's had all these kind of national, they're not scandals, but I guess they're in, in NBA terms they are, but he's clearly not, none too pleased with his current uh, situation. So I'd agree with you. I wouldn't be shocked if he, uh, he le- left at all because he's just clearly not having, not having fun out there. Yeah. There's, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to make of it. Like it's, is it is it Boston? Is it just the media? Is it like 
I've seen him. It could be something completely different. Like it could be just like is like I don't I don't want to recklessly speculate, but like who knows? There's like right. I I don't want to say and speculate exactly, but there could be something off the court. That's that's who knows. But it's and that's what I'm saying. Like it's so bad right now that I have to wonder: is something else going on, or is it just this? Because it's so bad, and he looks so miserable that I, I don't know if he's taking something else in with him. And again, it's it, I don't want to be irresponsible and recklessly speculate anything, so I'll just leave it at that. But it's it it is to the point of like, geez, man, what what's happening with him? It, and it it could just simply be everything. He just hates the way everything has gone, and it, that's that's a that's nothing to do with the city of Boston or the team. It's just in gen- like that situation would follow him to any, he could play for the Suns and have that same, you know, level of scrutiny from the national media because he's Kyrie Irving and there's always going to be a national element to what he does. So we'll see. We'll talk about that. Maybe Oracle can change things. Maybe going out West can change things. Maybe a road trip, an eight hour flight or however long it takes to get out to San Francisco is, you know, that can be enough to, get these guys on the same page a little bit. They can start talking or Brad Stevens locks them in a room and they have to maybe, maybe like a panic room type of thing. Like they have to work together to get out of the panic room. I think they need to do a, a, a reverse Brad Stevens roast where instead of they roasting Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens just does like a tight five making fun of all the players. <laughs> I think that I think that would change everyone. Every, no one would see it coming. That would um, be hilarious. But like a vicious, like – expletive laden no but not talking about basketball just like making fun of their haircuts and their mamas yeah (laughs) (laughs) like the haters ball oh yes uh before we go tacos do we have any any tacos jalen brown jalen brown gets a taco for his just being uh damn good um playing great defense being good on offense playing high energy he's been a high effort guy and so i think he definitely gets a taco and i'm giving an honorable mention to Semi Ojale for telling everyone to wake the fuck up and being that upset in a game he wasn't playing in, um, and to be like a second year player and kind of take it upon himself to do that. I think he gets, eh, I'll give him a taco. Someone needs to eat. We made all these tacos. Just, <laughs> we give them to someone. I love the, I love this, this visual of us just with a plate of tacos. Like, well, we're only handing out two and just throwing out the rest. <laughs> what a shame. Goes to waste, but. Uh, uh, all right, uh, Al Horford. Al Horford, taco worthy. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah we, go, we got them all lined up. Someone's got to eat. Screw it. This team, nobody gets tacos. I'm throwing them all away. Uh, I mean, yeah. After after this post All Star break, no one really deserves no tacos for anybody. That's Hold on. Although I don't think it, uh, this is my one junk drawer con- contribution for the night because the rest of the pretty much everyone on Twitter is just complaining about the team. So I don't even think we have to go through the hashtags. But my one junk drawer for the night is uh, I saw Lucky walking around. He's off crutches. Um, and so he's going to be back soon. But I think his presence stirred the JetBlue flight crew tonight because they gave a hell of a show. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic <laughs> performance. And I've been a bit, one of their major critics for the entire year. But I need to give credit where credit is due. JetBlue Flight Crew came out, and uh, they were electric. They were fantastic stuff. They added a new new trick where some guy did a somersault or a, a front flip over four different people. Um, and then Dead did a dunk after that. It was 
it was good stuff. So shout out to uh, JetBlue for like crew. Shout out to them. Shout out to you, the listener gods, for sticking with us and listening to the podcast throughout all of this. We're looking for answers just like you are, so stick around. We're going to be here for the entire week. Now, programming note, we normally publish this at about 11 p.m. Eastern time or so, but we're we're all going to be out in California. So podcasts are going to be later because we're going to be on West Coast time. The games are going to be late. We're going to be doing a lot of work out there, and the podcast is going to be coming out late. So, I mean, geez, by the time we record the podcast, it might be almost like time for your morning commute out here. So uh, if you don't get your podcast at the normal time, please be patient. The West Coast trip is going to mess with the timing. So just keep that in mind for the rest of the, the next week or so. But we appreciate you listening. All you new listeners, thank you for testing us out. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Hope you make us part of your regular rotation. So please subscribe. Regular subscribers, five-star rating, good written review on that iTunes. That really, really helps us out. Please do that. Share the podcast. Tell everybody, listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.